Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. We're starting a brand new series called Fine Line. And a fine line is that thin space between something that's good right before it becomes something bad. So like there's a fine line between a genius and someone who's insane, right? Or there's a fine line between confidence and someone who's arrogant, right? There's There's a real fine line. There's a fine line between courage and stupidity. And I like to test that line every single time that my gas tank hits empty, right? You... You with me? Uh, There's a fine line between helping somebody and enabling somebody. There's a fine line between being country and a redneck, right? (laughs) There's a fine line between a dad joke and a bad joke. That was my dad joke for the day, or it was a bad joke, I guess. With each of these, there's there's a bad side of that line. There's a bad side if you cross, but right before you cross in that thin space, there's some good that can happen. And if you don't want to cross that fine line, the, the safest bet is to run as far in the opposite direction as possible. Like if you don't want to cross that line of enabling someone, just, just be careful to not help anyone and you won't even get close to that line. That's the safest route, but that's not the best route. And the truth is there's fine lines in our faith as well. And so today I want to talk about the fine line between being in the world and being of the world. Being in the world and being of the world. For those who follow Jesus, we've been sent into this world, but we're not supposed to be just like the world or act just like the world does. And you may be here today and you don't believe in Jesus. You may resonate with this idea because you may agree that in this world, there's a lot of evil and you don't want to be corrupted by the world. You would like to be set apart and be someone who makes some change in a good direction And so Jesus actually prayed that his followers would find this fine line. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 17 to see Jesus' prayer here. John 17, starting at verse 15. He says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. This is Jesus praying to the Father, to God in heaven. I'm I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Jesus prayed that his followers, once they have been transformed by his truth, by the truth that we just sang about, that that he came for us, he found us in our brokenness, and he loved us just like we were, and he offered himself as a sacrifice. He died for our sins, and through his transformation, now he's given us an assignment. He has sent us into the world just as he was sent into the world. And like we said, this world is full of evil but he didn't, protect, he didn't pray that we would be set apart from the world or pulled away from the world. He pr- prayed that we would be protected in the midst of the world as we're sent into the world. So Christians, Christians, Christ followers, 
really have three options for how we live while we're still in this world awaiting a better day in heaven where we'll no longer be around the evil. And we've really struggled with finding the fine line as we've walked through each of these three options. And I bet you every single one of us has chosen one of these options at different points or in different areas of our life. So I wanna kinda do a case study together about the different options we have for living in this world. The first option is this, number one, isolate from the world. Isolate from the world. If you do not want to become somebody who is corrupted by the evil in this world, your safest bet is to isolate, to get as far away from it as possible. A few years ago when it first started, I got really into watching The Walking Dead. Anybody else ever watch that show? I got really into it. And uh, what this show is about, okay, is there was this virus that kind of had an outbreak in the world and people started turning into zombies, all right? And the show called them walkers. And what you did is you followed this group that was a family, some strangers, some friends who kind of came together and they worked really hard to protect each other from the outside world so that they, they didn't become a zombie or a walker. And so they would, what they would do is they would go out like carefully and scavenge the resources that they needed and then they would find some place in the middle of nowhere that they would build a homestead and they'd put up fences and they'd put up barbed wire, anything they could to keep the outside world away so that they wouldn't be infiltrated. And as soon as their place was infiltrated, they had to get up and go and start all over and find a homestead so that they could kind of keep the outside world away. The sad reality is that there's a lot of Christ followers who look at our world this way and try to live this way. Like the most ideal situation in their mind, buy 40 acres in the middle of nowhere, put up fences, keep everybody away, be careful about when you go to the grocery store, stay off the grid altogether, especially anything online. That's where real danger exists. And you wanna kind of keep the outside world away. And sometimes this is even founded in good motives, where you see a world that, that has veered from truth that God has put out there. This world is not protected from the lies of the evil one. The evil is out there in this world and there's a lot of corruption. And so you may even have a good motive and a desire to protect and preserve truth in your life and in your family. But there's a couple of problems with choosing to fully isolate from this world. The first problem with choosing that option is that it's a fear-based option. It's a fear-based decision. And Jesus didn't come to save us from our sins and set us free so that we could live with a spirit of fear. He wants us to live with a spirit of freedom right now. And what this fear-based decision is, is it's, it's, it's walking in fear that you are gonna be completely corrupted by the outside world. Jesus didn't want you to walk in fear and he didn't want you to be apart from the outside world. This is what he prayed. Let's look back. John 17, 15, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. I'm asking you to take them out of the world, but keep them safe. This fear-based decision is where you are taking on the role of trying to protect yourself. This is where you've bought the idea that you think protecting yourself from evil in the world is your job and it's up to you. I, I wanna show you where Jesus gave an assignment for his disciples, for what it would look like as they started to go out in the world. And let's look at his description that will show us a different way. This is Matthew 10, 16. He said, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. 
as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. This doesn't say I'm sending you out as sheep separate from the wolves. I'm sending you out as sheep isolated from the wolves. What does he say? I'm sending you out as sheep in the what? Midst, in the middle of wolves. I'm sending you out where danger is. You're going into the middle of danger. And sheep was a very intentional word by Jesus. You see, sheep is how Christ's followers are described all throughout scripture. And you know how Jesus is described? He's described as a good shepherd. You know, one of the responsibilities of a shepherd is to protect the sheep, to protect the sheep. Sheep are completely incapable of protecting themselves. Let me say that again. Sheep are completely incapable of protecting themselves. If you are a Christ follower who is choosing to isolate from the world in order to protect, protect and preserve truth in your life, then you are buying the lie that your job is to protect yourself, that that's up to you. That's not up to you. That's Jesus' role. Jesus is the one who protects you. So that's the first problem. The, the second problem with this is while you may be working hard to preserve truth or protect truth in your life, you are disregarding God's mission for your life. When you isolate from the world around you, you are disregarding God's mission for your life. And I just wanna say this. I wanna say this. If you are isolated from God's mission in your life, you are isolated from God. Say that again so we can kind of let that sink in. If you are isolated from God's mission in your life, you are isolated from God. There was a prophet in the Old Testament named Jonah. God gave Jonah a distinct mission that Jonah didn't like and he didn't agree with. So what did he do? He ran. He ran as far in the opposite direction as possible. And you may remember the story. God saved him through the mouth of a fish, but the truth is, Jonah wasn't just running from the mission of God. He was running from God. When you isolate from the mission of God, you are isolating yourself from God. When Jesus prayed that we would be sent into the world in the midst of wolves, isolation is not what he had in mind. When we are isolated from the world, we really lose relevance with the world as well. You may have heard this phrase, and this is how I would describe a Christian who is isolated from this world, that you can be too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. Have you ever heard that phrase? That you can be so heavenly minded that you are of no earthly good, an isolated believer that is just focused on protecting and preserving truth in their life can be so heavenly minded that they've lost relevance with the world around them. When Jesus prayed that we'd be sent in the world, isolation is not what he had in mind. So case study number one, option one, isolate from the world. That's not the best option. Let's try number two. Our second option, conform to the world. Conform to the world. Now, this is the group who has relevance with the world for sure. 
They have not isolated themselves physically. They've walked right into situations where they're right there within the world. But conforming to the world, this is a group who has opened their mind to ideals and belief patterns and thinking that is worldly or even presented from evil. This is a group who thinks that they are immune to temptations around them. And what happens is this group goes and they've really crossed the line where they've lost effectiveness because while they're in the world, they don't look any different from the world around them. They blend in and, and jump in. And this is why it says in Romans 12, 2, to, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. This would be the group that I would describe opposite of those that were isolated from the world before. That group was so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. This is the group that is so earthly minded that they're of no heavenly good. This is the group that is so earthly minded that they are of no heavenly good. So if we're to go into the world where evil is, how, how do we trust God's protection and walk about this carefully? Well, I wanna look back at what Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 10, 16, because he gave some specific instruction in this verse. He says, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves again, you're the sheep, he's, he's the shepherd, he's gonna bring protection. But he gives some specifics on how this goes about. He says, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. These were very intentional descriptions here. Wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Serpents have kind of a craftiness about them, right? Serpents have, have kind of a sneakiness. Like they, they know when to get in and they know when to get out. They know where danger exists. They know how to kind of strike when danger exists. But he not only gave the snake as a picture, he also gave a dove who is innocent. And other translations say as harmless as a dove. That while you're in and sneaky and you can get out quickly, you need to be harmless in your relationships. This has to do with preserving truth while you're in evil and yet also walking in grace and in kindness while you are in evil. Because you could be like a serpent who's walking with truth, but you could also disregard care for others and strike whenever you see a lack of truth or lies around you and kind of forget that these are people that you are dealing with. You see, when Jesus talked about being sent out as sheep among wolves, I, I don't believe that he was talking about wolves as if they were the people. The wolves are the lies that are in this world. Where he describes wolves, he, was, he would talk in other parts of scripture about false prophets. These were people that were preaching lies inside of the world. It wasn't the people amidst that they were in the midst of. It was the lies that they were in the midst of. And so we're not to go in and strike people who think differently than us or who operate differently than us. We're to be wise, to, to be careful that we don't conform to the pattern of thinking in this world, that we don't be corrupted by the evil, but we're to be as harmless and innocent as doves. And this is how Jesus did it. It says in uh, John three seventeen, says that Jesus was sent for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus, who was holy and righteous, the only one who was perfect, who walked in truth, had all authority to condemn anyone. But that was not his purpose. 
His purpose wasn't to strike and to condemn, but he saw people who were being corrupted by evil and lies in the world, and he offered a better way. He came to rescue them. You can't go just as a snake who's there for truth, but willing to strike at other people. In fact, you know who Jesus described as a group of snakes? <laughs> it was the Pharisees. This was a group of religious leaders and religious people who were so concerned with protecting truth. He, he referred to them as a brood of vipers because they literally would strike at people who thought differently than them. And Jesus gave a different picture here. I'm not asking you to go be like a, like just like a brood of vipers. I want you to be wise and as shrewd and as cunning as a snake, but I want you to be as harmless as a dove in your relationship, as innocent, as pure as a dove. When we go out there and we strike people for looking and acting different than us, we're actually conforming to the pattern of this world because that's what this world is doing. <laughs> this world right now is striking anyone and everyone who acts, thinks, operates, votes different than themselves. That is a pattern of thinking in this world. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to rescue the world. You see, Jesus, he was able to distinguish himself by the truth, by the line he held in truth, by his holiness and his purity, but he was also able to distinguish himself by the way that he treated other people and the way that he cared for other people. So option two, conform to the world. It's probably not the best option. Now, before we get to option three here, I wanna talk about how both of these first two groups, both of these first two groups have a discrepancy between what they believe and what they do. A group that isolates from the world, maybe a group who knows a lot about God, they may even have sound theology in their mind about what is right and wrong, about the best practices in life, about what's true about Jesus and the church and the world. They may have a ton, a ton of knowledge here, but they are not following what God has asked them to do inside of his book and inside of his instructions and what Jesus has called the world to do. So there's a drop off between what they know and, and what they do. And the same with those who are conforming to the patterns of this world. They may know truth, but they're choosing to disregard truth to act like the way the rest of the world acts, to engage in activity and sin and evil just like the rest of the world. And those who are conforming to the world, you would describe as a hypocrite, right? Those who say one thing, but their life doesn't really look different. See, your theology, what you believe about God, is only as effective as what you do about it. I just want to say that again. Your theology, what you believe about God, is only as effective as what you do about it. One of my favorite coaches says this phrase. He said, uh, your actions speak so loudly that I can't hear what you're saying. Your actions speak so loudly that I can't hear what you're saying. For those who follow Christ, I want you to know the world is, is watching what we do. And when you isolate from the world, you're telling the world that you don't really care about them. 
You're telling people that you don't really care about them. And when you conform to the pattern of this world, you're saying that Jesus really has no power to transform your life. So what's the third option? Number three, transform the world. Transform the world. Jesus prayed that we would be sent just like he was sent. So let's talk about what Jesus did while he was here. See, Jesus transformed this world because he brought radical love and radical truth. Jesus distinguished himself because of of his theology, what he believed about God and the relationship that you could have with God, but also in his lifestyle. Jesus had radical truths that helped people understand this is what it looks like to follow God, but he also showed them in his lifestyle. He was set apart by the fact that he was holy, that he could walk amongst evil and yet not participate in sin. People saw him as set apart and it gave him authority to be able to speak truth into others' lives. And what else gave him authority was his radical love for people. Who Jesus included in his circle was radical. It was especially radical to the churches and the religious leaders. The people that Jesus chose to go and and get into their life, who he would surround himself with, was surprising. It was surprising to religious leaders. These were people that were corrupted by evil. They were broken. They were thieves. They were adulterers. And he didn't just go like have community with them in some public place in passing where it was simple. He got in their lives. He went to their homes. He broke bread with them. He invited them into his circle to follow him when he would go from town to town to minister to others. Jesus transformed the world before he ever hit the cross with a radical message, a radical holiness, and a radical love. And then what he did for the world that was unholy and separated from God, he stepped in and said, I'll take the punishment so that people can be reunited with God, so that their heart, their mind, their life can be transformed by my love, not just now while I'm here, but for eternity. This is what Jesus prayed. He says, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And he said this, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. So that they can be made holy by your truth. See, the problem with us trying to transform the world without Jesus is that we've kind of failed in both of these camps. We've, we've separated ourselves from other people. We've isolated ourselves from other people when it's caused issues in our life, we've kind of run. And we've not shown full love, full grace, all of the time for other people. We've also conformed to patterns of thinking in this world. Each of us have sinned. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us have the authority to fully step into the call of transforming the world. But what Jesus said is, look, I'm gonna make them holy by your truth, which that word truth means good news. The good news is this, God did not isolate himself from you. He took on the form of a man. He sent his son to be amongst the wolves inside of the evil of this world. He came for you and for me. And while he was here, he did not conform 
to the patterns of thinking that were in this world. He did not conform to the evil in this world. He did not conform to the sin in this world. He was set apart by his holiness, but he also loved us enough to get involved in our lives, to love us just as he found us, as we sang a moment ago. He loved us just as we found us. And then he went back to the father and said, I will be the holy sacrifice. The wages of sin is death. That's what the scriptures say. So Jesus was the only one who did not have to experience death, but he said, I'll be the holy sacrifice. I will pay for their sin. I'll take the punishment. And so Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, and then God raised him from the dead. And he said that any who call on him can be transformed eternally and receive salvation eternally in this moment. You could do that today, actually. And it's from that place that he calls us and sends us to go and transform the world with the same truth, the good news. The word for send inside of this prayer, in the original language, it's apostello, which is where we get the, the word apostle. And so the disciples, if you keep reading throughout scriptures, past the gospels in Acts, they would become apostles. And what an apostle was is they were a messenger of good news. They had good news to share with the world. They had something important that the world needed to know. An apostle is someone who was sent out. We've got to send good news out to people. Good news. In fact, the good news is sent out. It's a victory. We've got to send out a victory note to everyone. Victory has happened because of what Jesus has done. And so what his prayer for you and I is, is that we would be apostles for him. Just like we read about in Acts, this group that went out with good news to tell the world, I've got good news. Jesus changed my life and he can change your life. We cannot transform the world on our own power. We can transform the world with the good news that Jesus already transformed the world and wants to transform your heart today. The Apostle Paul lived with a mission to transform the world because of what Jesus did in his life. Here's some of his words. 1 Corinthians 10, 32 and 33. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. There's pointing, pointing to God, pointing to that good news. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. Here's three groups who are struggling, <laughs> who have division, Amongst them, I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't do just what is best for me. I do what is best for others. He's focusing on others, and here's the key word here, so that many may be saved. The apostle Paul was transformed by Jesus and then lived his life to go on mission, to offer that good news of transformation to everyone else. There was nothing really special about the Apostle Paul. What the Apostle Paul had was a story of a life who had been transformed by Jesus. And we can find hope in that because that's the same mission that you and I can go on with the same Holy Spirit that was given to Paul at the moment he received Jesus. We can walk in that way. So I wanna ask you today where where you are in that fine line. Because you may look at some of these and say, well, I don't, really, uh, I don't really isolate myself from the world around me. Um, but, but I wanna ask you this. Maybe, uh, maybe the question would be, um, how many people would you call friend? How many people are you close with who think differently than you think? How many people are you close with that don't believe what you believe? 
What are the boundaries that you've set up between you and somebody who thinks differently than you? Like how actively are you trying to get involved and build friendship with people who don't know Jesus? who don't live exactly like you live, who don't dress exactly like you dress, who don't look exactly like you look, who don't talk exactly like you talk. How much are you actively going for Jesus into the world with good news versus how much are you kind of isolating yourself whether you realize it or not? And for for the other camp, conforming to the patterns of this world, maybe you are out there and you're relevant. You've, you've built relationship and maybe even with good motive, like you're on mission, but in the process, maybe you've isolated yourself from walking in truth. My question to you would be like, when you're out there amongst friends and people who think differently than you, who act differently than you, who believe differently than you, what sets you apart when you're in that group of people? Do the decisions that you are making cause you to blend in or cause you to stand out? Do the decisions that you're making in that group give God glory or give you glory? Are they about winning the approval of the people that you are with or showing Jesus radical transformation in your life in the midst of them? Are you going in wise as a serpent, like careful, ready to get out and not be corrupted, yet innocent and harmless and kind as a dove? Are you walking in that balance, preserving truth in your life and yet, offering love and grace to the people in your life. What Jesus has transformed is he sent us as apostellos, apostles, to go into the world in the midst of wolves, to be wise as serpent, innocent as doves, and bring the good news that he wants to save this world. Fonelles, you, you do this practically in some ways. I wanna celebrate something we didn't get to share last week over December, we raised a Christmas offering to make a difference right here in the upstate. Uh, offer Christmas for kids who didn't otherwise have that opportunity and to pour into local partnerships uh, that help fight addiction and unborn babies and, and many other partnerships, food and, and, and homelessness here in the upstate. And for those, you raised almost $90,000 in the month of December. I just wanna celebrate that. So good. There's also many of you that you've served here today. You got here early and, and you've prepared uh, a place to be hospitable, to welcome those who are walking in our doors. I know Pendleton, some of you got there at 6.30 this morning and you're actively engaged in creating opportunities for people to find and follow Jesus, for people to hear the good news. And that's part of us walking in transforming the world. But it doesn't just happen on Sundays here. In fact, before Jesus' public ministry happened, he was a carpenter. Like he just lived in a small town and, and, and he was a son and a brother and a friend and he got actively involved and engaged in his community. He didn't isolate from the community around him. That's what kind of gave him moral authority as people got close enough to see his life. Many of you have the opportunity to transform the world in the place that God's planted you right now, the place where you work right now, the family that you lead right now, the friendships that you have right now, the siblings that you have right now you have an opportunity to bring transformation, not by isolating and not by conforming, but choosing to step in with the good news that Jesus transformed your life and, and he wants to do the same for those that are around you in your life. And we're gonna continue 
speaking more practically to how we can be agents that bring transformation in our world throughout the rest of this series. So I want to invite you to join us for week two next week. But right now, I want to pray for us. And if you're in the room today and you've never given your life to Jesus at any one of our campuses, I want to invite you that today could be the day that you say yes to Jesus and you receive the eternal transformation that he offers. You might pray a prayer just like this. Jesus, I recognize that there's evil in this world. And I recognize that I've stepped into that evil in my own life. I've sinned. And I know that my sin has separated me from you, a holy, perfect God, that I isolated myself from you when I sinned. When I conformed to the patterns of this world, I isolated myself from you. But today, I'm choosing to believe that you didn't isolate yourself from me. That you sent your son here to live a perfect life that I was unable to do and to die a sinner's death on my behalf. I believe, God, that you raised him from the dead. And so today, I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus. Jesus, would you save me from my sins? And I'm gonna commit to follow you from this day forward. And Father, I pray for the rest of us at all of our campuses and those joining online right now. Lord, would you, would you search our hearts? Show us where we are intentionally and unintentionally isolating ourselves from your mission, which is isolating us from you. And God, would you show us where we're conforming to thinking and patterns that exist in this world as opposed to being set apart wholly because of your transformation that you've brought to our lives. Would you teach us practical ways throughout this series that we can be agents who bring transformation to this world because of what you've done, Jesus. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.